I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is Christine Miles, author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? The Power of Understanding to Connect, Influence, Solve, and Sell, What Is Costing You Not to Listen? Do you want to make a positive change in your life, work, or business? Do you want to improve your marriage, be a better parent, or drive more revenue to your business? Christine Miles encourages us to examine how we're listening. She helps us to discover that not only are many of the problems in our lives due to not listening effectively, but how listening helps to solve most problems. She's a longtime expert in educating individuals and organizations on how to listen in ways that transform how they lead, sell, influence, and succeed in every aspect of life. She founded her consulting and training business, Equip, to help leaders from medium-sized companies to Fortune 100 corporations grow sales, develop people, and create cultures of understanding. She's also created her workshop, The Listening Path, a transformational approach to understanding and insight. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Christine. Wonderful to be here, Catherine. Thank you. All right. So we're talking about listening today, and I hope people are listening to the show Uh, we're talking about not just hearing things, but actually listening and how critical that is, particularly in the context, I would say, or the environment we're in right now. People going back to work, there's a lot of fighting and disagreement and we're polarized. So how does all this listening fit into that context? Well, it is is kind of unfortunate, isn't it? It it, it makes me sad that we're so polarized because I think we have so much more in common than we actually differ on. But so, so listening, I think, is it's really about the heart. And when we learn to, to listen to understand it, it just changes how we connect. It does. And I think it, it brings us together. As I said, I think we're more similar than different, but we're losing sight of that with our different opinions. So, um, you know, my hope is really to create, you know, a movement where we're, we're listening more than just trying to talk. And if we do that, then we have... I'm assuming, obviously, if we're listening and just not talking at each other, um, then we, as you say, we have more of a connection. We have have to learn how to listen differently. Um, But how do we do that? I I mean, obviously, that's what your book is about. How do we do that so that we can connect? We can accomplish all the things that I mentioned in the intro. Uh, Where do we start? Well, I think we have to start it and we have to look at the problem first, right? And so, and with your background, this will make sense. And, and whether you're an engineer or not, we have to first deconstruct the problem before we can solve it. So I think that's the first thing. And the first problem is that we're not taught to listen, we're told. So from a year, very young age, we're, we're told to listen, but there's zero years of education in our educational systems from grade school through college and even executive programs on listening. Only 2% of people have had any type of listening training. And as, as someone who similarly comes from the field of psychology, I, I started my career as a home-based family therapist straight out of undergraduate school as a, as a therapist going and knocking on people's doors and saying, at 22, I'll be your family <laughs> therapist. I had zero years of li- educational listening. And I went into my master's program, the same thing. I got certified as a structural family therapist from a world-renowned institution at the time never had a course on listening. It was assumed. So it's, it's expected but not taught, and so that's why we're set up to fail. That's, that's the first thing. So if we're set up to fail, what, 
what are the, maybe we should start with what happens and maybe I described it a little bit, but I'd like to hear it from you. Like by not listening, what's happening to us, what, you know, whether it's in our families, whether it's in work situations, friends, politics, what's the downside? Let's get of, of not listening. Well, I appreciate that too, because that's why I, I titled the book, What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? Because it's not something that's on our radar. So how do we know if it's a problem if there's zero years of education? We think it's important. We know it's important, but we don't even know what good listening looks like. So I call it death by a thousand cuts because it's generally not this huge wound right away. It's something that hurts us repeatedly and injures us over time. And then it's too late. So I, I remember starting my career thinking, why are people getting divorced after 20 years? <laughs> That's a long time to be together. I mean, pretty naive for a 22-year-old. But when I, you know, when you deconstruct that, it's, it's because the, the not listening and the not understanding happens over time. And unless we really know how to engage and listen to each other as our relationships and families evolve, we have those repeated wounds. And then before we know it, we're disconnected. I had a couple come in one time and say, this was after 20 years of marriage, two kids and a shore house and all. And I, they said, we have absolutely nothing in common. And I said, hold on a second. You just gave me the list of all the things you have in common. I'm confused. But that's how disconnected they were because they weren't really hearing and listening to each other. And so because we're relying on the sense of hearing rather than the skill of listening, we're missing it. So that's, that's just one example in our relationships. Um, you know, then we talk, take it into business. Again, we're, we're taught to be experts, to be product knowledge, we're be competent and, and so forth, but we're not really taught to, how to listen. So we go in with a lot of people talking about what they know, and that's how we talk at each other and not with each other. And, and then we're not really uncovering the insights that lead to the real innovations or solutions. So when we change that dynamic, we also solve problems more quickly and, and get things done a lot faster, but we also get to, to better solutions. So, so it's just, it's insidious, but we don't notice it often until the consequences have already happened. So when you say it's insidious, now you've given the personal example, business example, I'm thinking I'm going on to next, the political example, and you're talking about it being insidious. I mean, we reached a point where we can't come to, it seems that it's very difficult to come to any bipartisan agreements in Congress. Is this an example mm-hmm. of what you're talking about? It is. I, I actually, I just wrote an article about it because I was having, uh, th- these questions were coming up so much it was it was upsetting me that to think about it. And part of what I think fundamentally the problem is, is that we don't think it's okay to have different opinions anymore. We have to, you know, we're, we're, we're following people on social media that are like-minded. We're hanging out with people that are only like-minded. And in what other setting do the best ideas come to fruition when we have people that all think alike? What leaders know, great leaders know, is that when they bring different perspectives and unlike perspectives to the table from them, they they bring out the best. And so from a political standpoint, we're not encouraging the discord because we're, we're not, we're not really talking to resolve. We're just, you know, we're fighting over it's win or lose. I want to win rather than lose rather than we all need to figure out how to win and, and bring those, those different perspectives to the table to really have the discord. And historically, this is what, happened much earlier in, you know, in, in history that really made us a successful democracy. And we're losing sight of that, in my opinion. So when you talk about, you mentioned social media, 
Let's let's talk about that a little more. And and that's so true. You listen on social media. You tend, or I I'll, I definitely do that myself. I listen to mm-hmm. people who are like are you know stuff that's like minded. And uh, so, how can you sort of break that trend and and mm-hmm. get people yeah to to listen to both? I mean, I you know I know the stations that I listen to on television, and then I force myself actually to listen to other. Um, television stations that I wouldn't necessarily want to listen to. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have to, so, so the, the, the tail's wagging the dog a little bit here. Right? I, I liken this to the food paradigm. I was, a, I was an athlete, I was a college athlete and beyond. And when you go back to the nineties, the food paradigm was, it was all about carbohydrates. <laughs> there wasn't much protein in our diets in terms of the way we were taught to eat. And that's kind of how we are with communication. And right now, we're, it's very one-dimensional. We're really just, we're just talking about whichever pro, you know, side of the aisle you're on. Whatever's in our lane, that's all that's being talked about, rather than there being more of the, all, the, all the food groups being talked about in the news. So we, we are getting fed what we're listening to, so that what you're doing and crossing over and saying, I've got to listen to other perspectives. Now, sometimes that's hard in, in the social media or even in the media realm because it can be so, again, polarizing. But I think at the very least, we have to look to other people in our lives instead of ruling them out. I mean, I've had conversations about family members that they don't want to talk to. We can't even discuss it because we're not, we're not really listening to understand. We're, we're listening to argue. We're listening to convince. So I think it's important to say, hey, tell me more about your perspective. Tell me more about what you think, feel, believe. I don't have to agree with you. I may not even like it, but that doesn't mean I can't understand it. So in other words, you kind of sort of take from the, as you mentioned, that you were a, a 21 or 22-year-old therapist going door to door. I'm a social worker. So you really have to achieve some of the skills that we achieve as as counselors or therapists. Isn't it the same kind of thing as you're saying? Tell me. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> very well said. <laughs> yes. And so so we call it story gathering. It's, it's the process of it, transformational listening, right? What do great journalists do? What do great therapists do? They know how to get the story. They don't assume what the story is. They go to seek the story. And so that's really the paradigm shift is how do you go and seek the story from someone rather than assume you know it or shape the story. And so these are some of the same skills that, again, the difference is even in the social work realm, sometimes the therapy realm, it's assumed not taught. And so I think there's... But what we've tried to do in my company and I've tried to do is really we've given you the tools and the path to do this so that the tools do the work so that you can overcome all the enemies of listening because there's so many. And the number one enemy is our own brains. There's so much going off in our own brains that that's the greatest enemy of listening. So how do you overcome that and how do you how do you get skilled at it You to become that journalist in the conversation? So, Christine, when you at your company, you're consulting and training business equip. Tell us what you do. You go into a medium-sized company, small company, or even, as I mentioned, a Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 corporations. What do you do? Mm-hmm. They they call you. With, let's start with why they want you to come into the company and train and consult and work with them. They call you up. We have a problem. Uh, let's start with that. Sure. So the problem can be anywhere from, you know, we want to we want to make sure we're bringing out the best in our leaders. We want to create a culture of empathy. You know, we're, we're having uh, retention issues. 
we're, we're having sales issues. We help customer service, even, you know, IT organizations. You think about what, what IT organizations have to do. You know, the, the common problem is that they want to solve, most people want to solve problems, right? That's what salespeople do. That's what IT professionals and software engineers and engineers do. They're all problem solvers. So how do you solve problems well? Well, you first have to uncover the need. And so we go in and help them learn how to uncover the need by listening differently. And so we do that in workshop form so that it's, it's, it's very much like sports camp where we're going to give you the tools to uncover the needs so that you can deliver what's valuable and not just what's asked for so that you can uncover those insights. And we'll take them through that process so that they can apply these tools and learn to listen differently to uncover those insights starting the next day. So, in other words, so as the bottom line is for the company, whatever company you're going into, is that the the there's a growth in sales. That their the bottom line is they make more money. They make more money. They retain more employees. They develop better leaders. They they overcome you know how t- wasted time in meetings. The amount of time wasted in meetings is staggering. Because just because we're the alignment and the redundancy of issues, so there's so many there's so many bottom line issues here that we're able to help impact. It, it's it it really permeates throughout the organization. I kind of call it like oxygen. So you know, again, when when you're suffering from your your veins and and your your arteries shutting down and they're not functioning as well, when your heart is getting you know, kind of clogged up and oxygen supply isn't there. You don't see it right away. But, boy, when you finally get those that blood flowing and that oxygen flowing differently, then the body is so much healthier. That's what happens in organizations when they learn to listen in a different way. Everything is impacted because it's so foundational. The oxygen flows through the organization and then sales are impacted. Problems are solved differently. People are happier People are, you know, culturally they're better and also they're better in their personal lives, which is means you have happier employees and, and better uh, engagement from that standpoint. We did a, we did a workshop a couple of weeks ago and we were just a couple hours into it. And one of the gentlemen stood up and said, I, this is going to make me a better husband. <laughs> we thought <laughs> that's wonderful. That's exactly what we want to hear because we know that this is a human skill. So if we're impacting we want to impact the person, which ultimately impacts the business. You talk about redundancy of meetings. I have been to so many meetings. Boy, that really resonates with me, sitting there thinking, what am I doing here, spending an hour, two hours, going over and over the same kinds of things and everybody trying to just prove their own point? It ends up in a mm-hmm. debate, actually. Um, so what would you? how do you mitigate that? What do you do specifically? Give us an well, example. Yeah. So we have a, we have a customer in Missouri and one of the things that, and they're not alone in their meeting issues, right? We're all, we're, we've all suffered. And I do mean suffered through that. So because there's no common language around listening, it's hard to really know when it's going off the rails. And so I think even when people are trying to make their point, they're, they're vying to get things done in the way that they think they should get things done. I mean, most often. So, so when there's a common language and somebody knows when it's going off the rails, if they all have the same language, it resets everything. So one of the, one of the people in one of our workshops said, we were in a meeting and I said, hold on a second, you know, and he used one of the questions that you heard that tell me more. One of the other ones, as we say, is take me back or take me back to the beginning. And he said, can we just hold on? Can somebody just take me back? And everybody laughed. 
<laughs> hit the pause button and went, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting, you know, we're, we're going too fast. We're all over the place. And it totally reset the meeting. And they got back on path because they had a common language. So it only took one person to reset a group of 10. And that's powerful because when you have a common language, you know how to reset. It's like, it's like sports, you know, rowing on the, in the boat or, you know, as a field hockey player, what are the signals that we know we, where we need to go in the game? It really makes a difference. All right, let's get back to the individual then, because you mentioned this, one of the men at the meeting said, this is going to help make me to be a better husband. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's going to help in a relationship, as you say. So how does that work specifically in, in a relationship part? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, look, I, my experience is that people are very well-intended. I, I think we want to listen well to our to our spouses, to our friends, to our families. Again, there's so many enemies of listening. And the closer we are to somebody, I, I think the more we expect, we think we know what they're going to say or how they think, right? We just... It's just human nature, and we like to solve problems. And one of the most reported listening inhibitors that we hear about is that problem solving is, you know, my wife comes home or my husband comes home, tells me about something that's going on, and I want to fix it, right? So we jump to solving and fixing it. And it's not just, it's not just men. Women are guilty of this, too. And what is the answer? Well, I just, want, I just wanted you to listen. Well, okay, but A, that's unrewarding, and I don't know how to do that necessarily. So... How do you listen in a way that really makes a difference? And when you do that, even if you don't solve the problem, it changes the way the person feels so the relationship is enhanced. Now, I had a gentleman in the workshop years ago say, it took nine hours for my wife to tell me about her nine-hour day. I didn't have that kind of patience. And I said, well, you're not married anymore. He goes, no, I'm not. That was too much for me. I said, I, I get it, but... There's a way that it's not just passively listening. It's about, it's about guiding the conversation in a way that's meaningful and not just letting somebody talk incessantly. There's a, there's a balance to that. And when, just like a journalist that knows how to get the story, you can do this in a very, you know, efficient way with these tools that gets you there and also breeds the closeness. So you get, you get the efficiency and the closeness at the same time, which is the win for everybody. Well, I have an example. I've used it on the show before, and it just sort of fits into what you're saying is I have a, a six-year-old grandson. He was five at the time. And during COVID, when we were quarantined together, he would come in my room and talk to me. And one day, he and, and several times, but one time in particular, he said to me, he's telling me about a problem, and I am ready to jump in and try to resolve the problem. And at five years old, he said to me, you know, Grammy, I just want to tell you about it. I don't want you to help me do anything. Wow. And it's exactly what wow. you're talking about and lesson learned. But I, I think this is, it's, it's very, that was very powerful. So very um, well and good for you. I mean, what a great kid that he has yeah. that wherewithal to use his words that way. Um, so he's, he's, that's fantastic. That's what, so that's what we're thinking. We just, we lose that to say that when we're older and um, we don't necessarily know because it's so patterned because that's what, ha- that's what we're habituated to doing. And, like, of course you want to help your grandson when he has a problem. That's normal, natural, and, and, and wonderful. So being helpful isn't the problem. It's how we're helping. And so I think we have, when we arm people with how to help in a different way, they don't feel so helpless in the conversation because just listening 
just letting someone talk and saying nothing is not what true listening is. And you know that. You're, yeah. Even as we're talking, you're doing things that most people don't do. You're reflecting what I say a little bit. You're, you're asking an open-ended question. You're, you're guiding me through this conversation in a way that most people aren't taught to do. And so when you give them the skills and tools to do that, it opens up a whole new world to them. And then, then the conversations become more fun because it's, it's like, it's like you're in the movie, not just watching the movie. What about, let's start with kids, let's say, because you say we aren't taught to do this. And, and by the time you see these very, I mean, you're in corporations, these are adults, grownups, they've lived their whole lives not listening, mm-hmm. you know, listening in the way mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So what do you do? How do you introduce this into a curriculum, let's say in school, middle school, high school? So this becomes part of, of, of how we operate, of how we communicate. Well, this is really the dream for me, right? The dream would be that we do incorporate this at a very young age and, and, and teach, teach kids how to listen differently. We've done some of that work. You know, again, the dream is the mission is to change the paradigm where we're putting this in the, in the schools. But it's really, it's, you know, it's, it's really simple. It's like starting with when you're, you know, you, parents say something like, hey, I, I told you blah, 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 and, uh, and you're not doing it. And they go, I heard you, I heard you. We'll ask them, well, tell me what you heard and ask them to repeat that back rather than this kind of this battle of I told you you're not listening and then we're talking about you. I told you to listen. How about you tell me what you heard and repeat it? All right, now what was the meaning of what you heard? We have to create the dialogue earlier. And when we teach them to do that, that helps, right? If they have to learn to reflect what they heard and learn to talk, talk about what the meaning is. And then there's also ways to just arm them with those same questions. So, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to listen. Here's what I'm going to ask you, but I'm not going to try to solve it. You tell me when you're ready for me to tell you that you want some help solving it. And it's amazing when you just give them the language, how quickly they can learn and apply that as they get older. In other words, we don't, and I think as parents or grandparents or caregivers, we have this knee-jerk reaction, which is what you're talking about, you know, and we have to stop for a moment, too, I, and, and just... You know, we're racing and running and trying, we'll just, we're all over the place and trying to accomplish, Mm -hmm. you know, multitasking, those kinds of things. If we just stop for a moment and and listen to, as you're saying, listen to the person, whether it's a partner or a kid or whoever it is, um, and and then respond in the way that you just said. But you kind of have to stop, don't you? You have to just take a moment. You have to slow down. Yeah, you have to slow slow down. down. It's a slow down. It's a slowdown to speed up, as I like to say. So it's, it's an initial slowdown that'll get you there faster. And by the way, and, and I can only imagine for, for parents who, you know, they're working, they have, you know, several kids, and there's a lot coming at them. And so I've talked with, with moms about this and the, and the mommy guilt. And I said, you don't always have to respond in that moment. But you can say, you know, I really want to, I really want to talk more about this, but give me five minutes and then we're going to, you know, then you'll have my undivided attention. And then, then give that five minutes of undivided attention. You'll get more out of that rather than trying to do the multitasking. So it's part of that awareness um, and that it's okay not to be there in the absolute immediacy. You can kind of frame it out like this is too important. So I want to make sure you have my focus rather than trying to do the dishes and focus on listening. That's the other thing. We're, we're, we're trying to multitask so much and that interferes as well with being present. If we just spend a dedicated five minutes, sometimes that can make a bigger difference than a 
multitasking 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that's well said. Take the time, five minutes. We don't have to react, which is something that, you know, we feel, I think, as, as a culture, we're always reacting. I have to go over it again, but yeah, I think that's really critical. Now, we only have a few more minutes left. So, uh, great book, by the way. Uh, let's give listeners a website and or websites to go to for more information about your book and about the work you're doing and where they can yeah, connect I'm with you. That. Yeah. So, they can, they can follow me on social media at C. Miles Listens on all the platforms. Um, my website is equipped, and that's EQ, very, very specifically, E-Q-U-I-P-T, people.com because we, we really are equipping people with the human skills and listening is the foundation of those skills. You know, I believe in when you learn to listen to yourself and others differently, you really do develop your emotional quotient and that's really what this is all about. We, we do other things as well, but, but this is the foundation of the work. So uh, that's equip-people.com and then you can get the book there or on all the major um, platforms as well, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's in all various forms, audio, Kindle, and uh, hard and softback. Great. It was great talking to you today. Lots of obviously great information. Uh, listeners, go to the websites and you'll get more information. Read the book. Christine, thanks so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 